This is episode 54 of Essential Oils by Design. Essential Oils by Design, a podcast about human design and essential oils and how they work so beautifully together. We're your hosts, Roz Isbell and Nani Chisire, and there's three things that we're both passionate about, essential oils, human design, and making the world a better place by helping people get both in their lives. Hi, Nani. Hi, Roz. Well, we've got a guest today, which I'm really excited about, and I'm going to let you introduce her. Today, we are going to interview Amanda Prichel. She is a reflector, human design reader, and guide. She has a 2-4 profile, and her incarnation cross is the Cross of Eden. So that means that her purpose and mission is to bring herself and others back to the garden, so to speak, through a continual search for moving deeper into self-acceptance and self-love, which in turn leads to the kind of love for others that doesn't bypass the hard truths we all have to face to evolve and grow. So Amanda can be found at Reflector Life on Instagram or on her website, which is amandaprechel.com, which is A-M-A-N-D-A-P-R-E-C-H-E-L.com. And we'll put that in in our uh, speaking notes. She offers readings as well as the Reflector Life course, which guides reflectors through all of the questions and curiosities Amanda had when she first found out she was one. I met Amanda through one of my business partners, Emily Vino, and we've worked together in a variety of capacities ever since. She's from the Midwest, just like me. Um, That's Midwest in the United States. Uh, the middle area, I guess, and is also a traveler, writer, and lover of a good cup of coffee. Hi, Amanda. Hello, Nani. Hi, Roz. <laughs> Hi, Amanda. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> yes. We're so excited for you to be here today, and we can't wait to hear more about your experience as a reflector. I'm, of course, a generator, and Roz is a manifesting generator, so getting the inside scoop from an actual reflector gives us amazing insight. So I'm going to start with my first question, Amanda. I'm wondering when you first found out about human design. So you mentioned Emily Vino. She was actually the one who introduced human design to me years ago. And when she first ran my chart, she told me I was a projector. And I kind of read about it and I thought, eh, it kind of makes sense. I feel really good about you know, not having sustainable energy felt very accurate to me, but a lot of the other things didn't really resonate. So I kind of put it to the side for a while and thought, oh, it's interesting, but it's not my thing. But it kept coming back to me in different ways. I kept hearing about it from different places. And so one day down the road, I ended up running my own chart and it was all blank. And I thought, oh, there's something wrong here. So I tried it again and it was all blank. And I had a printout of what Emily had given me and it had color on it. And then I had mine on the screen, which was blank. And I was like, what is going on here? Uh, It turned out that she had entered the month wrong. So uh, yeah, I was a reflector after all. So that was how I found out that I 
uh, was a reflector. And I, as I started reading about that, honestly, I was disappointed. <laughs> I thought this is very difficult concept for me to accept because I want to be like a generator. I want to have sustainable energy. I want to have the thing built into me that says yes or no right away. But in time, yeah, I really came to accept it, I guess. It took me quite a few lunar cycles to really accept and embrace myself as a reflector. And obviously now I... I love it. And it's helped me like understand my life and myself so much more. So Amanda, I'm curious as to when you first realized, oh yeah, this is really going to help me in life. There was definitely a moment when I realized it, it wasn't any one situation, but it was more like the realization that all of these different situations in my life had happened because I was kind of embodying the other people or the other person in the situation. And I thought it was me and it wasn't me. And that's why it was so uncomfortable because I was like holding on to this identity that wasn't mine. And then it became painful when that thing was gone. And so I guess it was more of a general aha of, my fluidity in who I am and who I've been in different situations. I'm wondering if that came to you at a particular point in time or was sort of like a gradual, oh yeah, I get this. Or was it like after three or four lunar cycles, you went, yep, I'm a reflector. And this is the way for me. And this is how I'm designed to live my life. It was more gradual because the memories, it started with past memories coming to me of past situations and especially going all the way back to my childhood and seeing, oh, this situation happened with my parents or at school or wherever I was and seeing why those things happened was a very slow process. I'll say it took me a year at least, and I'm still working on this, of being in the moment and realizing what's happening. Uh, and, and that's probably will be an ongoing process throughout my life. And with all the things that you're offering about being a reflector, it seems like you know a lot about being a reflector. And I imagine aligning to like the moon is really an interesting concept to live out. Can you tell us more about what being a lunar being is all about and also what the moon means to you? I think the biggest thing about being a lunar being is just recognizing that it's okay to move slowly. That was a huge lesson for me, um, slowing down and being more gentle with myself and understanding that I operate differently than most people. And again, that's another ongoing process of accepting that. And the moon, like the moon itself, I think it's beautiful. I think it can be beautiful for everyone, but it's, it's almost more of the energy of the moon, which is very slow and 
I've started watching the moon changing and becoming more connected with that. And it's really helped me understand myself too and how I move throughout the month. And yeah, sometimes I move so fast, like I'm the fastest person in the world, but most of the time I'm just very, very slow. The way I speak, the way I think, the way I do things is slow. So it's just this general acceptance of that. That's been really big for me. Beautiful. Yeah. So now that you've lived as a reflector, I imagine there's been some shifts in your life and I'd love to know about some of the big ones. Well, first of all, just slowing down, like I already yeah. mentioned. Yeah, that, it's just huge. <laughs> Another shift in my life is the way that I see myself in relationships. So whether it's family or friends or um, romantic relationships or anything like that, it's very much m- more obvious to me where I'm picking up other people's energy. And I've found that being kind of aware of that and having this sense of detachment, I guess, from the outcome of a relationship, uh, of a friendship or a romantic relationship has helped me a lot. Yeah, relationships have been a really big, a really big shift for me. I, I think that before I, I always thought there was something wrong with me in a relationship. Like I, I was so different in different relationships. So seeing why that is, has been a huge shift. I can imagine. So how do you find other people handle the fact that you do move slower? Is there pushback from other people or are they accepting of it? Mm. I find the more that I accept it, the more that other people accept it. And the more that I say, hey, this is how I am. This is my timeline. I am, you know, staying in integrity with the timelines that I set out and making sure that I'm giving myself enough time initially when I make agreements with people. So I think that hasn't been too much of an issue. Where it, I guess where I do get a little pushback is when I, I, I'm not right now, but when I was working a more traditional day job, there was this sense of urgency all the time. If we have to do this by this deadline, it wasn't my time at all. It wasn't my timing. So sometimes I would put out work that I wasn't totally satisfied with, or maybe my employer wasn't totally satisfied with because I wasn't given my time, my timing. Um, that's not to say that I can't adapt and do what I, what, whatever I need to do in order to get things done, but it doesn't always look up to the quality that I would want it to be. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I can speak from my experience on the generator side. I have a reflector in my family and I, I, I intuitively knew that he needed more time for things, but I still get impatient, but as the more like when it clicked that he was a reflector in the human design world, 
it was a way for me to talk to other people about the way that our family worked. So yeah, it's been interesting because I mean, impatience is my, my problem. So an open route and a defined will center will do that to you, Nani. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why I was paired, paired with a reflector so that I could slow down. Um, So a little bit earlier, you talked about some ahas from when you were a kid. And so I wondered if you have any examples maybe to share about like what it was like, if you're looking back, what it was like to be a reflector as a kid. There's so many stories I could share. Uh, I'll start with my family. My, I'm not a hundred percent sure on their birth times, but I'm pretty sure my mom is a manifesting generator. Um, My dad is a generator. My sister is a generator. Not sure what my stepdad is but they always called me the emotional one the one who was you know dramatic the one who was too much the one who was kind of talking all all the time or too much or just not at all so I think just looking back on my experience in my family I was always feeling so many things and I was very overwhelmed, overstimulated, just very much overdoing everything that I was doing in my home. Um, School was actually pretty difficult for me. I just felt overwhelmed and overstimulated like all the time as a child. (laughs) And... There's like so many stories in my head. I'm like, like. hey, can I just ask you, I've heard stories of in kindergarten, you know, in preschool, little reflectors wanting to sit in the middle of the circle. Is that your experience at all? Yeah, I can't remember exactly if, if I was in the middle of the circle. I think what I remember from kindergarten for the for the first five years of my life, I was quite isolated So I went to kindergarten and I was sick like half the year. (laughs) I just picked up every illness that there was uh, in that school. I think I have a totally open spleen, which definitely is part of that. So kindergarten was rough and just like navigating being around other people besides my parents and the few other people that I was around for the first five years of my life um, was definitely intense. I think when I look back to, you know, post-kindergarten, early elementary school, I was kind of a leader of sorts. Like, I would kind of take all of the kids and I would say, okay, we're going to do this. And like, you're going to be this role and you're going to be that role. And then like, I'm this role. And then I would just kind of watch it all happen. Not really, I'm kind of observing everyone doing the things that I kind of, set up for them, which is interesting to look back on. Um, And I was really like that until I moved to a new town. Then I was kind of isolated from the group and I kind of found myself being more of a loner when I did move cities. So there was that being at the center of the group. And then when I went to a new city, which didn't really feel good to me at all, uh, new school, new people, I was really on the outside. Like I felt like I was just watching everyone 
be and I didn't feel like I fit there. So two very different school experiences. So you've got no centers defined and I'm wondering what it's like to actually feel others energy completely and even for you to feel completely different every day. So it's been my reality my whole life. So I think it's hard for me to know what it would be like to be defined. But when I did start learning more about myself as a reflector and learning more about my openness and um, understanding what that meant, when I started coming into contact with other people, especially after spending some time alone, I could really feel that person. And it's been this journey of learning to trust, I guess, my the feelings that I get like, oh, this person is feeling this way or maybe thinking this thing or they're angry. Maybe they're a manifester. And it's, it's interesting in the sense that I can really kind of walk into a room and I've really started to trust that my body is telling me what's going on in the room. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting. And then with the lunar transits, you know, you kind of become a little bit different every day. It's consistent month to month, but every day is different. So getting to know that cycle has been really helpful for me in understanding the ways that I am consistent, <laughs> because there's so many ways in which I'm not. Do you use the lunar transits to plan your month like do you choose certain days to do certain things because you know how your energy is going to be feeling on those days sometimes I do and sometimes I don't I'm also inconsistent about the way that I use it I think if I have something really big coming up that I have a choice in uh, the date or the time I will look at the upcoming transits like I have an ephemeris and I'll look and I'll see, okay, on this day, I'm a generator so I can like go all day probably. Um, or on this day, I'm a projector. So maybe it will be better for me to understand the other. So I do do that occasionally, but most of the time I check in in the morning kind of casually. So I'm very casual about it and just do it whenever I want to or need to prepare for something specific. And I know you read human design charts, Amanda, and I imagine that that's super interesting as a reflector and really cool for the other side for your clients because you can like really, I say see them, but you're like feeling them. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to do a reading for you? Sure. So I guess my process is I get the chart and I just kind of sit and stare at it usually for an hour or so or whatever amount of time feels good. And I, even without knowing the person or knowing anything about them, I just kind of can feel them. And the more I do readings, the more, the more intense that gets and the more I can feel the person just by kind of looking at their chart. So it's been another way of, understanding other people that's been really really cool for me and exciting and then I hope that it's also a good experience for uh, my clients the people that I'm reading for I think it's been interesting for them to kind of see themselves 
in the mirror that is me. But yeah, I'd have to ask them exactly what what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I think (laughs) it would be cool. Amanda, waiting for the whole moon cycle is, it's such an important part of the reflective strategy. And I'm curious to know if you've got any examples of where you've waited and got full clarity and, and maybe how that full clarity felt. And even if you've got any examples of where you've jumped in too quickly and it didn't work out. I have a whole plethora of examples of where I've jumped in too quickly and it didn't work out. <laughs> Because I think, you know, for most of my life, I didn't know I was a reflector. So I was always jumping into things. A big one is I, when I was younger, I was deciding which university to go to. And I just kind of picked one arbitrarily. I had a stack of brochures and I chose one and I was like, I want to leave the Midwest. I'm going to California. I had never been to the school or anything. It ended up working out, but there was a lot that I had to work through when I got there because I didn't know what I was getting into. I just went, Um, which has kind of been the case. It's like either I'm thinking about something for many moons or I'm just jumping in. And that was, that was the case obviously before I knew I was a reflector and now I'm a little bit more intentional about it. So uh, I think I, so I travel a lot and move around a lot. And so when I was, I was previously living in South Korea and I was teaching and I was there on and off for four years. So at some point I realized I need to make a decision about whether I'm going to stay here or whether I'm going to leave. And that was several lunar cycles and it was really hard because a lot of people were waiting on me to make decisions. I was in a relationship in Korea and so obviously he wanted to know what are you doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I had a job contract that was up for renewal. They of course wanted to know are you going to stay or should we hire someone else and I really had to tell them I'm sorry I don't know yet. Please wait. I have to feel this out. I have to move slowly. And I guess if that's not okay with you, you can break up with me or fire me. I don't know. (laughs) So they waited, of course. And, and in the end, I did end up leaving. And it is hard because no matter how many lunar cycles you wait, you still never really know what's on the other side. You just have to trust. So I think there's a lot of trust involved And that's where that element of surprise comes in, where it's this learning how to surrender to like the waiting and the knowing, and also coming to realize that the more you do that, the more you see that on the other side, life has these like big surprises for you that you never thought were possible. So it's quite the process. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be very patient. Absolutely. (laughs) So you actually shared a process with me that I thought might be helpful to other reflectors and probably anyone that has a lot of open centers where you go through it each month and see which ideas are yours and which are not necessarily yours. And could you share a little bit more about that and how it's helped you? Yeah. So 
when I did come back to the U.S., I was having all of these, I was in a new country again, you know, my own country, and I was having all of these ideas and inspirations and all of these things were coming to me. And I thought, maybe I want to do this. Maybe I want to do that. The world is full of possibilities. And it would be really easy for me to just jump into something because when I do feel the inspiration, it's very intense and strong, but I know better now. So what I started doing was every time one of those things would come to me, I would write it on a list and I would write all these things down. I think I want this thing. I think I want this thing. Uh, I want to do this. I want to go there. I want to be with these people, whatever it was. And after, usually at the beginning of the month or the end of the month, I kind of check in with that list. And by the end of, you know, three or four weeks, there's not that much left that resonates with me, actually. So it's been really helpful to see what stays and then whatever is there. If that opportunity comes to me, if somebody comes and asks, hey, do you want to be a part of this or do you want to collaborate or do you want to go to this place with me for vacation or something? I already know that I want that because it's already been on my list for a month or a few months. So that has been really, really helpful for me in determining, first of all, what's not mine. And secondly, when those opportunities do come to me, I don't have to wait another lunar cycle because I've already waited and wanted that thing for a month or a couple of months. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea for, I I have an open head. I think it would be helpful for me to do that as well. Anyone who gets inspiration, right? The open, (laughs) yeah, the open head is like, well. So uh, have you got any self-care tips for reflectors? For example, I know having an environment that you love, like your home or your office or whatever, is, is really important for you or, or having some time away from the auras of others. Is there anything else that would be helpful for reflectors to know from that perspective, especially at the moment with what we're going through? I know for myself and a lot of other people, who are maybe going through a difficult time right now, maybe isolating with people very closely or not really having that space, but not being able to go out (laughs) into the world. Um, It can be really hard. So for me right now, I'm staying with family. Uh, I'm kind of here and there. I don't have a dedicated space of my own. So the biggest thing for me right now has been just getting into nature And yeah, being in nature, I'm very privileged to have that all around me right now. So that's been number one self-care thing, just literally laying on the ground for as many hours as I need to, staring at the sky and not letting anyone tell me that that's lazy or anything like that. Also just sleeping, getting enough sleep and listening, really listening to my body because I find when I change to a new country I start eating really differently and um, or not only a new country just a new house or a new group of people that I'm with it changes the way that I want to eat because I think I'm picking up so much on their ways of eating and their ways of being and so having a healthy detachment 
from other people's desires is really important too. Being really aware all the time of other people's desires and kind of like, I kind of am a really visual person. So when I meditate, I kind of imagine myself scooping them out and looking at them in my hands and seeing, okay, which ones of these are mine and most of them aren't. So then I just like throw them to the wind. And what about parents of reflector kids or friends of reflectors? Have you got any sort of top level advice for them? Giving them space and if they can have their own room, that would be really, really helpful. If they can fall in love with nature in some way, I think that's so good for reflector kids. And then just letting them talk for as long as they need to and listening to them because that's another self-care thing that I need to remember, especially because sometimes I don't do this enough, but finding those trusted people who will listen to you and are willing to sit and listen and be a consistent person in your life and letting your reflector bounce ideas off of you just ramble you don't have to say anything you don't have to solve the problem you just have to listen because in the end of all of that talking they're probably going to come to their own conclusion about the thing and if you give them advice they may or may not take it but in the end it's it's what they they'll come to their own conclusion about what's right for them so that's another huge one (laughs) yeah 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 I wanted to also ask about essential oils. I know you use them. Could you tell us some that you use or even just one and how it helps you? Mm -hmm. I'm actually slightly sick right now. I have a bit of a cold. And so I have peppermint and eucalyptus. That feels really nice. But in general these days, I've been diffusing I don't know what this combination is normal, but it just feels really good to me right now. (laughs) Sandalwood, bergamot, and ylang ylang. I don't know if that makes sense, but it feels like the woods in the summer, I think. Yeah. um, Sounds interesting. Yeah, I usually just diffuse scents, and it, it makes me just feel so grounded and not so floaty. I think uh, that sounds like a beautiful combination. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the peppermints to sort of give you a bit of pep and then the bergamot for the the self-love and the self-awareness and the self-respect and all of that sort of thing for the sort of standing up for what you know is right for you. And mm-hmm. then the ylang-ylang, just when I think about it, ylang-ylang is almost like this beautiful reflector oil because it's all about you know, the inner child and that sort of glowing energy that, forgive me for saying innocence, I'm not saying that you're innocent, but it's that beautiful innocence that the the lunar energy seems to shine on us. Or I don't know if that makes sense, but it does to me. It's, I think mm-hmm. ylang ylang's a beautiful oil for reflectors. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think something that I've had to accept in my life is that there is this childlike part of me um I also have gate 25 so there's that too but I think that a lot of reflectors are seen as a little bit too idealistic and a little bit too childlike and it's actually a gift and tapping into that is really good embracing it and then other people 
like we'll embrace it too, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Just as you were talking, I didn't really put it together, even though I have a reflector in my house, how your health is so sensitive. Do you feel like you can feel things coming on and like, do you have tips for how to like kind of nip it in the bud or make it so that it doesn't become a big thing? Yes, I always know before I get sick that I'm going to get sick. I also have found myself knowing sometimes it gets confusing because sometimes it's not me. It's like somebody I'm living with, they're getting sick or they're having some kind of problem in their body. And I'm like, oh, like my hip hurts or something. And then it's, you know, my dad's hip is in pain or something like that. So my tip, I guess, is to when you feel something coming on, just start sleeping. (laughs) That's what I do. I just, (laughs) I just literally have to, if I can, that's not always possible, but cancel all of my plans because whenever I feel that thing coming on and I push through it, I just get totally wiped out anyway for the next several days. So I might as well just cancel my plans that day and rest and restore and hopefully stop it before it starts. <laughs> yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah. So Amanda, I know you're working on training programs for reflectors, and I'm so intrigued by this, especially because it's hard for me as a generator to like talk to reflectors about being a reflector. So can you tell us a little bit more about what, what you're up to and what you're creating? Sure. I'm going to be putting out a course soon, which should be out by the time this podcast is released, but I'm very slow, so we'll see. And that is really this comprehensive explanation of everything that I wish that I knew and everything that I found very complicated on the internet or with different sources as I you know, was finding out I was a reflector as I was kind of getting information from here and there and thought, this is confusing. This is vague. This is hard to understand. And I think it's really not. So my hope with this is that it's very clear cut and kind of takes people on this handheld journey so that eventually they can walk on their own (laughs) and be comfortable with their reflectorness and be comfortable uh, navigating their own lunar cycle, whatever way that they feel like they want to navigate that because there's any number of ways to be a reflector and any number of ways to, to go about the way that we are. So, I mean, that sounds really helpful. I, I'm going to purchase your course. (laughs) so that I can find out more about it's hard my husband is a reflector and I can explain to him what I know but I yeah I think it'll be really interesting to hear from a reflector how it all works Mm -hmm. it sounds amazing it really does and I'll we'll certainly put the links in the show notes to your website so that people can catch up with you and see where you're at with it so Amanda, yeah. I know I know you don't do network marketing, but you've been in the business world for a part of your life, and it'd be great if you could tell us a little bit about any advice that you've got for for reflectors who are doing their own business. I think the way that 
most people do business is probably not going to work for you <laughs> as a reflector. I think part of this is my two four, but I really go in cycles. I'm very much in my own space, not putting out work for a time. And then I hit this point where it becomes very natural for me to go out and be interacting with people to be, you know, posting on social media to be active in that way and almost doing that, that networking thing of the four line. So I think maybe profile comes into play a lot for business. Uh, but as a reflector, again, just knowing that it's okay that you're working on your own time and not needing to hustle the idea of like working really hard and pushing and um, just, just doing it, just putting the thing out there is not going to work for you. <laughs> Unless maybe you have like a manifestor friend and you plop them down uh, next to your desk while you work. I don't know. That could work. Sometimes Ring I borrow a friend when I need to get something done. Say, hey, can you just sit on a call with me and I'll borrow your generator energy and I'm just going to do my thing and you don't have to say anything, but I just need a little help right now. Yeah. So that can also be a, a trick if you really have to get something done. Yeah. We, Nani and I know that is rent a gen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I haven't heard of rent a manifesto before. <laughs> I like I that. <laughs> we'll have to come up with what, with a, a rhyme for that one. <laughs> We would just love to know if there's anything else you want to share with our audience that might help them understand more about reflectors and how they, you know, be in life, I guess. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of information out there that says things that are very vague and mystical about reflectors. <laughs> Like reflectors are unicorns, reflectors are magical. Wow, a reflector. Uh, and I think that is fun, but also, you know, if you are a reflector, there's there's more to you than just being like this magical forest creature that sometimes you're described as. And there are consistent traits in you. So you're not a completely blank slate <laughs> and you are a you and you are being you by taking on other people's energy and you know becoming these different things throughout the month you're still a consistent being in your own way so I think sometimes that throws people off like am I nothing <laughs> but you are something Yes. Which, yeah, now we're getting a little esoteric, so I'll stop. But <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, along with that, I love watching my husband with my kids because he like reflects back that childlike, I think they definitely have more fun with him than me. I try, but, but he's just like really reflecting back who they are. And so they, they can feel that. So I'm sure with reflector adults, it's the same way. So you are unicorns in some ways, <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with Nani. I think you are unicorns for sure. Oh, thank you. I do appreciate that. <laughs> 
I think there's something so special and I take on board what you say about the fact that, you know, you do have an identity and that you are, you know, you, you do have a design and a, you do have consistency within your design, but there is something very, very special about a reflector's energy that I pick up on every time that I'm in a reflector's aura and I'm certainly picking up on it with yours. So yeah, I don't want you to undersell yourself too much because you're pretty special. You're pretty special. Well, I think that wraps up our reflector talk with reflector life. Thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us. We really got a lot of depth and insight into what it's like to be a reflector, and we hope this helps our audience. We'll put some information and links in the show notes. Similar to Amanda working on some other reflector training we are also working on network marketing by design for reflectors. And I'm sure we'll take a lot of this information that we learned today and make sure that it's incorporated into what we're, we're sharing. But that should be available by the time that this podcast is released. So bye, Roz, and bye, Amanda. Bye, Nani. Bye. bye. And bye, bye everyone. Roz.